Bourbon Street Beat. Bourbon Street Beat. Starring Richard Long. In New Orleans. Andrew Duggan. This is the blues. With Arlene Howell and Van Williams. Produced by Warner Brothers. Eventually, Super Train episode 128. Hello, everyone. I am Dan. I am your main host for this show, which is a short lived TV show podcast. <laughs> it's not a short lived TV show. Wouldn't it be funny if it was? Well, it wouldn't have got up to 128 episodes, I don't think, if it was, right? Unless it was a soap opera, I guess. What was I talking about? Oh, uh, it's a short lived TV show podcast. We cover uh, short lived TV shows that never got enough love. Eventually, we will cover Super Train. Right now, we are covering three shows. In this one, we are beginning with uh, so we are beginning with Battlestar Galactica, the great um, Christopher Bly, and myself discussing uh, War of the Gods Part One, and then uh, Kristen Hawes, aka Kiki Rice, and myself are discussing was it Trump from the Past, Tales of the Gold Monkey, and then Tim S. Turner and myself are discussing the Sentry. The 20th and final episode of Kolchak. Oh, come on. The shows all have to end here, folks. That's why it's short-lived TV shows. Uh, so let, let's let's dive right in, because this will be a great episode, I think, because it's, it's fun stuff is happening. They're good episodes. They're fun episodes. We're good people. We're nice people. Yeah. Let's dive right in first to Battlestar Galactica. We are going to War of the Gods, Part 1. Here it is. <laughs> Galactica War of the Gods, episode 13, I believe. Directed by Daniel Haller, written by Glenn A. Larson, January 14th, 1979. In this one, well, this is the first one from 1979. In this one, a bunch of uh, vipers are disappearing, flying around out in space. There are all these weird um, sort of orbs, we will call them, flying all over the Galactica, being confusing. Uh, a bunch of the gangland on a weird red almost psychedelic type planet and they meet a count is it iblis iblis uh, played by uh patrick mcnee and he um he apparently um well, well there was some sort of catastrophe and he survived it and they bring him on board the ship and he was very charismatic and he also might have some powers but i won't go overboard here because mr bligh is waiting for me on the other side of this War of the Gods. Yes, Everyone, it's McNee. McNee. <laughs> yes, McNee is everywhere in this one. And that was Mister Mister Christopher Bly. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Just ready to go through the galaxy and see what's uh, what's godly yeah. or what's warring or what's troublesome. Yeah. So uh, so let's uh, so uh, well well let's dive right in. War of the Gods. What did what did you think of it? Uh, an intriguing first part, but it seemed to me like it was going like a lot of like we're being sucked in. Everyone, there's a very unique look. There's a very uh, intriguing uh, situation. Uh, we have a discovery of sorts, and where that discovery leads to, uh, in terms of coming back and the effect that it leads on to everybody. Nice. 
But I say, yeah, we don't want to. The problem with the part ones is that we can't give too much away. Um, it's just enough. You know, yeah, that's just enough. And this is this is a one that's written by Glenn A. Larson. So whenever, uh-huh, yes. So whenever you see one written by, <laughs> pardon me, I had a sip of water while you were talking, and I suddenly choked on it. Um, uh, but I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling okay. Um, so whenever I see one written by Glenn A. Larson, especially at this point, I mean, this is episode 13 of 21. So we're we're past the halfway point here. Mm. And so, and the fact that he's doing a two-parter, I, th- I think to me is important. Uh, sometimes I say that and I look like a jackass, but I think this one is, I think, is, is an important one for him and what he oh, yeah. had planned for the show. So this, um, I, 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 the thing, <laughs> the thing I love about this is I love, the, I love the way it starts with the those giant, um, glowing orbs. I was gonna say balls, but I, mm. I, I prefer to say orbs. Well, it's kind of spotty when you really think about it. Yeah, yeah, and, and and they're flying around, and you see that giant like crystal city, mm. which I loved. It reminded me of something you might have seen out of like, um, uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture uh, later wow. that year, or even Star Crash or something like that. And not, oh, not yes. I like Star Crash. I'm a big fan, so I don't say that as a as a as a negative thing. But there's that gorgeous crystal city, and you're like, what the hell? And and then they, they, they that isn't answered until part two, um, so I gotta stop talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a really lovely opening with all the all the characters in that, and then the meeting with um, Patrick I- I- Iblis 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 I, I uh, Ibli 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 Ibli. Um, I I always hear that name Ibli, and I go like, geez, you know, it reminds me of uh, Oblio. Oh yeah. If anybody remembers the great cartoon known as the the um, the point. You know, he's oh, the yeah. main one that is yeah. uh, kind of like this jolly green giant, giant-looking kid with a point mm. on his head. His, his name was Oblio, and then from, every time I get Ibli, I think Ibli Oblio. I don't know why that is. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the great I- I- Ibli, Ibli stuff, and um, I know overall, I think it's a, I think like like you said, I think it's a really intriguing and interesting first episode, and it introduces us to the game that. Why the hell did I forget the name of the game? The game they play. It's called Triad. Triad, yes. I was going to say arcade. I was going to say rollerball. I didn't know what I was going to say. Well, yeah, because um, it, it does kind of, it does kind of have like it's like um, it's like you know Apollo at Starbucks are like the championship tag team. Uh-huh. It's uh, a very short shorts uniform. Yes. And it's it's basically basketball rollerball without the skates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, and and all the guys are all the guys are looking good and they're playing and they're putting you know me to shame as I'm watching it right now. And um, <laughs> uh, but but and yeah, and they play the game. And I, it's it's one of those where you don't you don't quite. It's it's not quite Calvin Ball where they're yeah. just making it up. And it's it, but but it is one of those things. Where you're like, I think I know the rules. Then occasionally yeah, not, they'll all like do a ring around the rosy kind of thing, and you'll go, I don't know the rules anymore. It's like Roaring Rapids, you know, like, yeah. you know, you're kind <laughs> of like the, the whole round thing, and you're like hanging on, trying to like not get too much water squirted on you. Yeah. I mean, it's not exact. It's not basketball. It's not quintet. Yeah, it's their own yeah, exactly. kind of like. You know, <laughs> luckily, there is no life or death, and yeah. sadly, there's no Jonathan E either. So. Yeah. Yeah, but they, I mean they do their best. I mean the the scenes, the triad scenes are shot really nicely. You got overhead, you cut within the um, uh, uh, court itself. You get shots of the people cheering. It's really nicely done, and and I part of it covering the fact that we don't actually know what's happening, 
And if yeah, you and do also that, kind of the shape of it, you think of almost precursor Ultimate Fighting because it's almost kind of like being yes, in the octagon. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It, re- it really has that feel, and and you get some. There's like uh, like around the top. It, it has a you know that thing where whenever they let people watch operations. And they look oh, in yes. from overhead. That's <laughs> the what the, everyone's. Theater, yes. Yeah, that's where that's where everyone's looking. And I, I I almost thought, at least on more than one occasion, that like the ball was going to bounce over those spit guards or whatever they are, <laughs> and just go into the crowd. You'd see like a Sheba get hit on the head and go. Whoa. Well, there's no there's no Junior Mints in here. Number one. Sadly, <laughs> yes, there's exactly. no snacks that. And then on top of that, you know, it's like you got you got the surgical theater there, and you got uh, what was it? Um, you know, nothing ever bounces off of that. I mean, the bouncing off is kind of almost like racquetball a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, for the uh, different yeah, corners yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But the uh, the end result, you know, it's like they don't exactly have any chance. Kind of wish that they were. They, there is a scoreboard, but they never really located as to where exactly the scoreboard is. At least yes. Not, not that I recall. You know, it's... Yeah, we don't we don't quite get to where the scoreboard is. And the points kind of – sometimes the points seem to match the points we're getting. And sometimes they're just points. And so well, in the okay. end, you know, being that it's got the surgical theater setting, you know, yes. they are kind of cut-ups when you really think about it. So, yeah. He's the king, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we have him on the show. <laughs> I was, I had another thing I was going to say right before you said that, and I'll be mm-hmm. damned if I can remember what it was. Um, throwing a ball, put it in the thing, doing the stuff. I don't know. Oh, 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 it's the, there's a great tracking shot down the hallway where you get the four guys in their tiny outfits yeah. talking like to their four ladies. And you can see the four ladies doing everything they can not to check out the packages, <laughs> the abs, the behinds. None of them, that, if you watch the ladies, none of them like take a little leer. I would have. Why not? I did. <laughs> It was well, great. You know, a couple, it was great. A couple of years later, they, it's practically they used those uniforms for the Road Warrior, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Yeah, they'll be they they yeah they sold those to George Miller in Australia, and he mm. uh, he put them on the humongous. Was that the was that the big guy's name? The Lord of Humongous. Yes. 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 Uh, so um, uh, what, what else on this one? I because I um, I, well I'll I'll let you answer my question. I was I'll, talking. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw this one out there. Is Finally, we actually have uh, our one of our favorites, Anne Lockhart, is now part of the cast. Yes, beginning there, you know, now she's pictured amongst the cast and not yes, just a special has. guest star, mm-hmm. which is nice. Which is yes. which is a nice addition, you know. And you know, we have Jolly back on mm-hmm. this one. Which, yes, which is nice. And I believe we and also Bain have Junior, right? Uh, Greenbane pops up in there at yes. one point in, in, in one of the uh, ships there, and also is I think he's kind of destined to be. You know, one of the spot lights are kind of um, mm-hmm. because they have a sound that's very loud, and then there's these there's these spots, but then you hear this terribly loud sound, and it all leads to this one like you know crystal cavern thing, it, like thing this that, yeah. li- this like light city, huge. and then they just disappear off. There's like oh, we can't track any of these beings, these mm-hmm. ships. I guess they refer to these spots as ships at one point there. Mm-hmm. They do, I think, early on. They, they do. They're, they're and they're unscannable. Down. Also, don't forget, we also are introduced back to also Boje, which is... Oh, Boje, you know, yes, that's right, Boje. Boje's yep. in Boje's here in along there, with... Right in the uh, opening, yeah. They, yeah, they kind of they kind of put all the secondary guys who we haven't seen in a while in that opening scene where they get kind of pulled into the Crystal Castle, mm. which was a great game with, like, that the, I used to play when I was a kid. The, and they motorized... Uh, they come in with the motorized thing, you know, they're going to go out to battle. You mm. always have these... They always show that one shot with them, like... Like twelve to a uh, thing, I guess this mm-hmm. one car that they have when they're gonna go yes. into. Uh... Oh yeah, that one that going down the tunnel like a mine, like they're in a mine shaft yep. or something, right? I never looked to see if it's the same people in front. I imagine it is, right? 
Yeah, well, they, they ended up doing the Hanna Barbera thing, probably. You know, just like yes, using was, the same footage yeah, over and exactly. over again. You know? Yeah. Um, I was going to say some. Oh, you, you know what? I just thought of another thing that that I, I got two things that made me think of other things. Uh, I sound like I'm doing a Monty Python sketch. I'm putting things <laughs> on top of other things. Well, we just think that the whole thing's a waste of time. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. Why have we been wasting our lives doing this? Meeting adjourned forever. Um, so it's it's um, the Crystal Castle thing reminds me of, and this is going to be because I haven't mentioned Doctor Who in a while, in uh, 1983 20th season serial Enlightenment. Mm. The castle where you go where the Black Guardian and the White Guardian are waiting when you win the giant race across the universe looks is a much more is a more Baroque version of mm. the Crystal Castle. The Crystal Castle here looks like it could be something out of Star Wars. Whereas the, the castle in Enlightenment looks like a castle like um uh, like a British like castle or giant Downton Abbey type mansion, but it's made mm. of crystal and it's floating in the middle of the sky. Yeah, it's how Hoovian of you. Yes. Yes, yes. So, so I just thought of that. I just thought, um, and because that is called enlightenment, and in that one you win a race, you win a basically a race on ships, but the ships go through space rather than through water, and when you win the race, you win enlightenment, and so it's sort of like you have this guy here who's willing to give you whatever you want, you know, as long as you come under his dominion, as it were. Mm -hmm. Surprised uh, I don't have at the end. Okay, so the big question out of all of it: Have you been enlightened? Have you? Are you? Have you been enlightened? Well, you know, I never have. But um, you know, and 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 the big the big thing in Doctor Who, of course, is does that very eighties thing where you know it's um, um the person who well, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to ruin it. I'm going <laughs> to talk about Battlestar. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, I do I do I do that too often, and I'm going to stop. But I'm going to say when they land, when Sheba, Apollo, and Starbuck land on that pink and red planet yeah there's a shot tinted planet yeah yeah so there's a shot the opening shot of sheba wandering through a field towards the other guy's ships reminds me of two album covers there's uh and one will be familiar and one won't be one uh, the the one that won't be is an album called mcdonald and giles that was ian mcdonald and peter giles or michael Mm -hmm. giles who are originally members of king crimson uh-huh. Okay. And and on there they did a one solo album in nineteen seventy one, which is a gorgeous freaking album. But on the cover of it, the cover of it is you you, you gotta fold it out so you can see the back and the front. It's a Can big picture of Ian McDonald and his girlfriend on the front, uh Mr. Giles and her his girlfriend on the back. And but it's tinted to the colors look exactly like the colors on here. They're maybe slightly more purple. But they look exactly like the same colors. I like to think of them as MS DOS adjustment colors. Yes, know? exactly. You're working because at that out. point where they had like you know the light blue and the light pink, you know. But somehow you kind of mixed them in together. Yeah, almost have like a 3D effect of sorts. You know. Exactly. Yeah, and and the other the other thought I had was um, <laughs> that uh, Sheba walking in that woods with that color reminded me of the sci-fi version of Black Sabbath's first album cover with a woman standing like by the church or whatever in the woods. Mm-hmm. And I thought that for some reason, I thought of black Sabbath. I don't know why, like if black Sabbath, you know what, like technical ecstasy when they got like the cover was more sci-fi or dehumanizer. Um, I, I sort of thought that reminds me of something strangely black Sabbathy, And I don't know why. Yeah. I almost, um, I almost kind of thought of, um, there's another out, al- you know, you mentioned album covers. I almost thought of another one kind of along those lines, maybe not as colorful, but just like kind of like stuck in the woods kind of thing. And that's pieces of eight from sticks. Oh sure, 
Yeah. You know, no, that worked. Yeah. And it almost, I can almost think of like the thing observing could be Patrick uh, McNee right there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. So that's that's a little talk on album covers, everybody. Now we're gonna get back. <laughs> that to does relate into our our <laughs> Galactica chat here. It, it does. I'm sorry, my chair is really creaky today. I apologize. I something like I'm I'm not I'm not sitting on an old chair, but it sounds four thousand years old. It sounds it sounds a thousand yarns old. Is it down on Cripple Creek? Mm-hmm. It's down on Cripple Creek. I'm um, now I'm trying to think of a band album cover that this reminds me of. No. Um, it has a very psychedelic and, and fun feel to it. I, I really like that scene on there, and everything's kind of red, and everything's a little weird. I almost, I, I wonder, I don't, I, I may have seen this when I was a kid, or I may not have, but I wonder what it looked like on old TVs. Yeah. Because I feel like it would have been. a lot of us had black and white at that time, and yes, some yeah. of them, us didn't have that great effect, probably not yes, until we yes. see it, you know, present day, or yeah, if one of these true. channels... You know, we had, happened to be rerunning it, and we had, you know, had the luck of having a color one. You know, but mm-hmm. God knows, I, I think I went through so many years with black and white before it, I could get to go. It's almost like you're, you're living the dream, quote unquote, <laughs> because they, they believe they you believe that you're dreaming black and white. But um, yeah, my my grandmother, she had she had I, I don't know if I, I told someone this story. I don't remember if it was you, but she had she had black and white TV until like 1992. 1993. Oh, wow. I mean, she okay. was like, I, I remember being in her house the night, 1987. It was February, March, 1987 when Fox premiered. Oh, and yeah. They, and they showed the first Married with Children, the first Tracy Ullman, and then they showed them again, and then they showed them again. And I remember watching that in black and white. We had color in our house, but but um, uh, my, my grandma only had black and white. And the thing was that in 92 or 93, whenever she got her first color TV, the first show she watched was, I think it was Burns and Allen. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she got very mad, and she yelled something at my mother in Polish. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's she saying? Well, she's angry that it's not in color. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, you they told her. into that... color, colorizing uh, Georgia Gracie by that point. <laughs> and, and I said, you told her the show, it wasn't in color, right? She doesn't care. She says she spent however hundred dollars <laughs> to buy a tv and it's still in black and white that is funny oh, and like only God, the commercials are in color she doesn't care about the commercials it took her a while it took her she's still alive and well and the last time i saw her which is about a year ago she watches things in color and she completely gets it oh great but great. Uh, but it, she, was, she, it was she luckily got over that it wasn't any ptsd thank yes, God. Yeah. yes ex- exactly exactly so my, my grandfather though he died before they got color tv so i fear he never really got to experience color the way he should wow. have uh, but anyway so so i do wonder when i when i see those scenes i wonder either one if you're watching those in black and white they're just i i would imagine like the whites would be a little whiter and the blacks would be a little blacker yeah, it wouldn't be as popping you know like that. and yeah. then of course we get those immortal words when they see a wreckage i wouldn't go down there yes and that is our introduction to yes. a white uni- white outfitted costumed Patrick yes. McNeese. Yes. What? So, what do you think of uh, what do you think of him? Because I'm going to say his name wrong, so I'm not going to say his name. I'm just going to well, call him Patrick. Well, you know, I, I I like to just think of him as the Count because he's a Count. Yeah, the Count. Yeah, it's called the Count. And uh, with regards to the Count, the Count, you know, I say, well, he's uh, he's a he's a charismatic individual. He is a he was somebody that is able to convince everybody of certain things. Particularly, he certainly has his eyes on Sheba quite a yes, bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he, he wins Sheba over. Sheba shows starts touring him, but you also kind of sense there's something kind of off about this guy. 
Yeah. And you're not sure, exactly sure what to put the finger on, but you say like, hey, you know, it's just like one of those ones that, yeah, well, we'll give you this, we'll give you that, we'll do everything you want. It's like, oh, do you like games? It's like, oh, I have such thrilling games. You know, like he yes. has that voice there that is just so effective. It's just that Sometimes you can't possibly death. Yes, and you it's kind like, of what? wonder say, say if this guy yeah. came from the Quintet universe or, for yes. that matter, a precursor to Tron also. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he... he, he, he... He carries himself very well in making you think he could be full of baloney. Mm. But then after a bit, you start to think, okay, there's something else happening here. And then by the end of the episode, you're like, okay, what's going on? Mm. And what are those orbs flying through the sky that keep not attacking the ship, but like checking out the ship? And we also learn that Sheba's name also, once again, linking it to Alien again, Mm. uh, Sheba's father's name is Cain. Yeah, that's right. Once yes. again, I said somehow. I said, like I said, you, you had a bunch of movies that were uh, about to happen at that time. This was obviously broadcast before that. That something must have been in the the passing scripts to some of these studios to kind of say, like, okay, we got this, we got that one, we got like uh, these kind of locations and everything. And I said, well, you know, interesting that her father's name is Kane. So it's... yes, Kane slew Abel. Mm. Yes, yeah, and and of course, yeah, later on in the year. Um, uh, during BJ and the Bear season two, we'll meet Captain Kane or Commander Kane. Mm. I forget. Um, and he's not as evil as, um, you know, Kane himself. But it's hookable in the Larson brain for sure. Yeah, it did. Yeah, Larson was up to. So he had, he had, I mean, he had that. Yeah, he had the names he liked and the religious uh, sort of names and the biblical names and things mm. like that. And the Sheba, thing- it, it's funny with Sheba because I always think, like, yeah, Sheba is not a good name. From the Bible, so it's like it's like she's always. So when you see her like making friends with um the count in this, you're like, okay, Sheba, are you, are you like living up to your your yeah, name, sort the of? Danger, or? The danger, the uh, danger bubbles up, the plot thickens, and remember yes. that the count is a believer of pleasure and distraction. Yes, yes, yes. That's a very important thing to think about going into all that happens here. Yes, and and I um. I, I like his uh, moments in his confrontations with Adama, and I, I do like the uh, the moment in the end where he brings Baltar to them, because it's uh, yeah. it's it's so casually done, you know, because it's just <clears throat> they they say you know they say to uh, you know um, the count you know uh, do, to prove you can do three things, and and one of them is bring us you know our enemy. And then it cuts to Baltar, who we haven't seen in a couple episodes. And he's and kind he, of great at the temples at this point. Yes, yeah. and he's in the smaller chair, so they must be traveling. And or it also, he, it also could be like a bar stool. True, true, yeah. And he, and, and Baltar says something out of nowhere. Um, Get me a ship. I want to go to the Galactica. And his robot buddy is like, "What? What are you talking about?" He's like, uh, "Under a flag of truce, I need to go to the Galactica." And he shows up at the Galactica, and they immediately like arrest him. You know, and it's it's like well, you know, he the count got him there. It was it was a little weird, which I liked, but he definitely got him there. And we actually get to see Adama actually doing like a literal captain's log. Yes, yeah. he yep yep he does a nice little captain's log, and he has a fun pink pen that he writes mm-hmm. with, which I like. And I I think I think that one of the uh, one of the moments where you where you where you realize that um, he he isn't a charlatan is just the way um, Sheba, who seems very nice, um, mm-hmm. just takes him through all the classified areas. Oh, and yes. it's it's like, Sheba, what did you do? And I think Apollo was like, Sheba, why did you do that? 
well, he said he needed to relax and calm down, and and so I took him here, and and that that calmed him down. I'm and surprised Apollo's, they didn't have like a like a extreme close up that says, "How dare you!" And Apollo's like, "Wait a minute, this is the classified areas. You don't you don't walk you don't walk someone no one knows in classified areas." But it's so casually done that you're like, "Okay, was that as weird as I thought it was?" Yes, yes, it is. It's weird. He the count is um the count is up to something. And, Along with um, the mysterious vegetation that we notice around us. Yes, that's right. The, I do like that scene because we forget after time, because I don't think we've seen them since, like, the first episode, that a lot of people on these ships are, like, living in, like, just, like, like a, a compartment. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, like, like in a train, like a tiny train, like a families and couples are living there. Yeah, so you just know when you have to ease on through life, you know, you got to compartmentalize in that case. You know, so precisely, it's, precisely. It's, yeah. And, you know, that's the funny thing is when he comes in there and he's like, oh, we've got Baltar. All of a sudden there's this kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but all of a sudden there's almost instantaneously going into a conga line. <laughs> the, the council. Yeah, they're about to get up and like give, me your, hips. Oh, yeah. give me your hips. Give me your hips. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it's it's a it's a I I think it's a, it's an interesting episode because it's one of those that because it's the first part it doesn't have to resolve anything, so it can just throw in crystal castles, disappearing people, giant silver orbs flying around, a guy who may or may not be a god. It can throw and it doesn't have to answer any questions. And so when the episode ends, it's like okay, yeah, I'm tuning in the next week. Yeah, it's, that, it's like okay, where do we go from here? You know, with yes, exactly. all this as casually, it's like it just seems so easy, you know. Yes, yeah. But also keep an eye out too, because also in there, there's an old one of the old men in this is played by Superman himself, oh, yes. Kirk Allen. I saw that. Yes. Yeah, yep. He has he has a brief scene. It was funny because when I saw him, I thought that guy looks familiar, and then when it ended, it said Kirk Allen. I was like, isn't that Superman? Yep. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's uh, and I, I you got to figure too if um, he, he the count is going to win those people over if they're still living in those rotten little spots, mm-hmm. just getting barely enough food to survive, and suddenly he can double the amount of food they can get overnight. And in the case of Sheba, it's all about the daddy. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's um, I guess we can talk about that in the next episode when things get more um, they get more so. So you just but, think to yourself. Baltar delivered. What's going on? Yes. Tune in for part two. Tune in. Trap or crap? <laughs> yeah, is it gonna is Glenn A. Larson gonna pull off the ending, or is it gonna be something where we sit there and shake our heads and go, "No, Glenn, no. Someone should have. We needed someone to do a rewrite on that, please." Yeah. So, so do, do you have anything else on this? I always feel bad sometimes with these uh, uh, two parters because we can't. We, we got to kind of pull everything up short. Um, yeah, but... we pull up. Well, I can tell you right off the bat too. Just the other thing that I noticed too is that you know, when they had a lot of these special effects at that time, mm-hmm. I noticed that the, you know, particularly since this is 1979, uh, they have these kind of what I like to call prism sticker effects, which is to say, oh, like yes. when it reflects yes. off of the light, it almost looks like you got kind of like a thing of like very prismic. Like when you look at those stickers and they hit the light at a certain kind of time and it reflects these multicolors yes. on there mm-hmm. that when you kind of come up to the crystal's castle that hits on there and 
you were speaking of it before. I said, you know, I kind of reminded me a little bit of the first Star Trek movie, you know, that kind of had some of those effects pretty much throughout. The V'ger, yeah, especially, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which ba basically, you know, you kind of ask yourself, you know, you know, before they made uh, or while they were making Star Trek, did they watch this episode and say, hey, we got this two-parter that's going <laughs> on here. You know, maybe the script that we have isn't exactly much, but maybe we could take some elements of this and, you know, nobody will notice. You know, it's like, you know, who watches television? This is a big movie. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and also certain elements that we'll go a little more into with part two because mm -hmm. there is also a little more of a Trek connection there as well. But I could say, okay. I think when the start, when the people that were doing the first True. start yeah, yeah. were doing it, this was kind of on the mind at that. Point. Yeah, this is this was a yeah. I, I would say because I'm I'm actually one of the the people who I quite enjoy. Star Trek the motion. Oh, picture. me too. I, I mean, yeah. you know, seeing seeing the recent uh, Paramount Plus. Um, uh, remastering uh, to mm. me was was quite special. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a, it's it's if uh, it, sorry I couldn't finish a sentence there. You have to. I always think of it as more like a two thousand one than a Star Wars. And once you get that in your mind, and Star Trek two is more of a of a Star Wars than a than a two thousand one. Once you mm. get it, once you get Star Trek, once you remember that. Um, you got it, when you put in a bit of the context that people have been wanting to see these characters again for ten years. And and the slow introduction of everything feels a bit much now, but if you can get into it, it's sure. really a lot of fun. And, and only, it, it, you know, it's just wise, luckily, trying to be more cinematic, you know, in that way. Yes, and exactly. also, too, the thing I liked about it, too, is, and I got to appreciate that more, especially after there were a couple of not-so-good Trek movies that came later is that you got to appreciate this one a little more. And I always say it's a nice movie to look at, but it's also not a bad movie to sleep to because it's got a beautiful score to it as well. Yes, it really does. Yeah, so it's it's there's some movies. I, I always say that falling asleep to a movie doesn't mean the movie's bad. No, it means, sometimes it, it, it can be comforting. You know, it's it, like, you know. Yeah, it puts you in, it puts you in a place and you fall asleep. So what? Watch it again. Take it, you know, start it again from that point tomorrow. Well, it is a movie that does these days benefits from repeat viewing for sure. So. Yes, yeah, it does. It does definitely. Um, so, so I guess we'll come back the next one and we'll discuss a little more more Trek connection and we'll see whether or not um, Mr. Uh, uh, Gal Count, see if Glenn the A. Count. Larson, yeah, see what the count is up to, and see if Gal, Mr. Glenn A. Larson, can um, can uh, get get the ending, nail, nail the uh, nail the ending, as it were. Or a gal could be gallivanting around yeah, the space, gallivanting space galaxy. Yes. So, uh, Chris, wh wh what are you up to? Where can we find you online? What's going okay. on? Okay, well, you can find me facebook.com slash captainbly76, uh, actually Captain Bly on Facebook, and on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, you can find me captainbly76. We are in the midst of our summer forecast. Very exciting. We started it on Memorial Day, and we're going to continue on to Labor Day. We've got 100 movies, and they're all coming from either the 70s, 80s, or 90s. We don't repeat a decade unless we really need to, and it's going to be a, it's becoming a really nice combination of movies so far. Excellent. Thank you again. And next time, War of the Gods, Part 2. <laughs> Tales of the Gold Monkey, episode 6, Trunk from the Past, uh, November 3rd, 82, uh, directed by Christian I. Nyby, the second, written by John Pashdag, Brady Westwater. This one has a lot of Sarah's past in it with her dad, who was um, an archaeologist who was murdered. Um, he was looking for a pharaoh's tomb that he believes is somewhere in, like, the South Pacific or something like that. And she gets a, uh, she gets a trunk 
from uh from the past and it's been sent by her ex-fiance who believes he has found a group of ancient egyptians living in the south pacific so they go on an adventure and you know it goes here there and everywhere and uh, kristen and i talk all over it so listen to us uh listen to us we're great trunk from the past it's another installment in the Tales of the Gold Monkey. And I'm here with Kristen, a.k.a. Kiki Rice. Kristen, how are you? I'm feeling rather nostalgic, Dan. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You, you, do, you want to, do you want to talk about it? Or is that just is that just like you don't? Well, it's, it's nostalgia you don't want to share. This is unshared it's this, nostalgia. It's this trunk from oh. the past. <laughs> it's a trunk from the past. Uh, what did you th- what did you think of what did you think of one the trunk itself and two the episode trunk from the past? Okay, the trunk itself, the top of it made me think of one of those tabletop games that my friends play. Oh yeah, that's what, that's yeah. what the design looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was filled with dry ice and skulls. Yes, which is like nothing I would find in my attic. So I'm a little <laughs> jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the episode, this episode is it's kind of goofy. It um, is, isn't it? Because, I, not to brag, but I, when I was back in the long, long ago of my youth, I got to do two weeks of gifted summer school, and we did Egyptology. We did we studied Egypt. Well, nice. I, and I was like, I don't know, like fifth grade or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't remember. But um, I don't recall there ever being any pyramids or Egyptian tombs in the South Pacific. Yes. So this, to me, was like a bit of a stretch to do some sort of storyline involving Sarah's tragic past with her archaeologist father. It just, yep, I think they pushed it a little too far. It was a little bit goofy. And so you get to the very end, and you're like, well, that was grim. And yeah, yeah. then everything is fine at the yeah. end. So, hooray, they all have a good hooray, laugh. Yeah, there was like this one really harsh moment, and then... And yay! Yeah, it's it's one of those. Freeze moments. frame. If if we have if we think if we're thinking about the same moment and we we might be it's it's one of those moments where you um uh it, it, when you think about it a few moments later you go hey wait a minute yeah huh. oh dear okay uh, but we'll we'll probably ruin that in a, in a few minutes but but not quite yet yeah. so I'm sorry you were in the past with the trunk yes so yeah this one when I was writing about the show I was like this was just one of the goofier episodes where. What they intend for it to be is not how it comes off, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. But it's not necessarily an unenjoyable episode. I actually do enjoy watching the episode because because it is a bit goofy and mm-hmm. it does have its moments. But it's I don't think it's a bad episode. I just think it's kind of goobery. That's all. <laughs> what do you think? It is. I mean, I had the same exact when 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 Sarah's explaining to 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 Jake her father's theory that there are Egyptians in the South Pacific and he keeps laughing. And she's and she yeah, <laughs> and she she keeps giving him looks, you know, and those cute cute little looks and these little angry I'm angry at you, Jake, I'm angry at you looks and um but but the more she describes it the less sort of convincing it is, I think. And so, like, by the time she's done describing it, he's still laughing. And, and now it turns out, I, you know, he's, he, she, the dad, you know, dad, um, Sarah's dad was right, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, when they get to the island and they see these 
faux Egyptian guys or whatever there. All I could think of was the end of Joe versus the volcano and the island that Joe goes to with like the, what is it, like the Irish Jewish natives who drink nothing but yeah. orange soda. And it's one of and that. That's that's what that's what I thought of. I thought, you know, in in, in I forget what the name of that island is in Joe versus Volcano, but in Joe versus Volcano, you know, it's a it's a it's a gag island. It's it's a fable. It's a silly island. It's the end of the journey. In this, when you get to this island and everyone kind of strolls out and then they begin to worship Jack, it's sort of like these these are goofy bunch of people and you you almost wonder like are they are they like oh here here comes some here comes some people from outside let's pretend we'll be egyptian today okay let's do it you know (laughs) oh i like that idea that okay today we're going to pretend to be egyptian transplants yeah it's like tomorrow (laughs) yeah tomorrow we'll be aztecs day after tomorrow we're scottish get the kill let's 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 do it. Let's do it. It's a, it all. De- it all depends on what the people want. You know, they call ahead. You know, and we get we give them the full. We give them the full deal. <laughs> this is a very low rent fantasy island. <laughs> exactly. It's just the same twenty guys, and you know, it's just hey everybody. And should we worship the dog? Yeah, worship the dog. Sure. Oh well, sure. we all we already do. So yes, exactly, exactly. And I did like when they're worshiping Jake, and they draw an eye on his eye patch. I thought yes. that was pretty funny. And that, that great reveal moment when they're all standing at the pyramid thing and all of a sudden you hear like uh, all the music's playing and the procession begins and then you see Jack like held, you know, in the air on like a platform just sitting there <laughs> looking around was very amusing. Which also made yes. me think that these these guys are goofing. These aren't these aren't for real. There's something here. Yeah. This is this is the this is Joe. Oh, we went to Big Laughs on Joke Island. That's what they should have called this episode. <laughs> Big Laughs. <laughs> Uh, what is, what um, else do you have on this? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say that, that Jack wasn't laughing. He really – his ego might never recover from being worshipped. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was really, quite he was really enjoying, enjoying that. It. Yeah, he really was. Yeah. Um, uh, what what else do you have on this? It's uh, it's nice to see some background for Sarah. I like that even if, um, even if um, some of it might involve, you know, a, a guest actor wearing a goofy Anubis thing yeah. on his head. Yeah, because that was that was interesting. So we get to see Sarah's backstory with her her fiance and her dad getting killed, which is like okay. So she goes up to the room. Oh, yeah. She finds the Anubis leaning over her father, who's sprawled across this trunk, and he is dead. And she shoots at the Anubis. Mm-hmm. Then she he like falls off a balcony as you do. He she runs over to her dad and she's saying, "Daddy, Daddy," you know, trying to get him to come back to life. And then when Ted comes in, the fiance, and says, "What's going on?" She says, "He sh- he sh- he killed my daddy." And I just went, "Listen, you just shot at a man. I can understand you calling your dad daddy, but say you shot he shot my daddy. Why are you now eight years old?" <laughs> yes, what happened to Sarah? She she regresses a bit sometimes when she sees, and then when she sees that, um, when she sees the trunk, and and she does a full on like stumble backwards like 10 steps into a railing kind of thing mm-hmm. no no and i thought you know i think ms ohaney i think you're a great actress i'll watch you any day of the week but you know, this this episode is putting you in a little goofballs places here and there maybe it was meant to be a comedy and they just got the 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 somewhere the tone went wrong yeah or something i, I, I that's the thing i don't think tone ever like was 
what it was supposed to be. I think it was yeah. supposed to be more serious, but it was really hard to, <laughs> with what really you were working to, with and, and, to and not. <laughs> too, there's something like. And, and through a goodly portion of the episode, Jake is wearing a shirt, like a baseball shirt that just says Duluth. And Duluth yeah. is Duluth's almost as funny a name as Walla Walla. So to have like <laughs> Duluth on your hero shirt is amusing to me. So, to, so well, just, just and you know what? Now I'll have to think about it because what baseball team was playing in 1930s? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. If they're in Duluth, they're, yeah, there was there was that wouldn't have been a professional team, would, or could it have been? I guess it might have. I been. I mean, well, it could have been, or it could have been a minor team. But mm-hmm. I'm now, you know what? I probably should have looked that up, and I didn't. Well, you know. Yeah. Here's your homework. <laughs> yeah, here's yeah, everyone listening. Find out 1937 Duluth, the Duluth Melons, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I, now I want a team named the Melons because we already have the Montgomery Biscuits down south. <laughs> oh, so and the, and the Savannah Bananas. Nice. So Savannah. we need the Duluth Melons. Oh, I would love to see that. I'd go get season tickets to the Duluth Melons. Free melon baller to the first fifty. <laughs> I'm 51. I want my melon baller. Hey, man, have mine. I already got a melon baller. I didn't mean to show up in the first 50. Those melon fans, they're so nice. Yes, they're so, so nice. They're so nice. Ah, oh, Duluth. I just, it was just funny because when, when I the, – the first scene he's got the shirt on, all you can see is like D-U-L. On one side you think dull? No, don't put that. Don't put that on your leading man's shirt. And then I thought, that must be Duluth. But what the hell is he doing? Is he from Duluth? Is that is that? I mean, I've I've never I've never said the word Duluth so many times in <laughs> such a short space, and I don't even actually remember where is Duluth, Idaho, Duluth. Is it Iowa, Minnesota? I Minnes- Minnesota. Is it Minnesota? Okay, Duluth, Minnesota. That sounds right to me. Okay. It's probably wrong. I did I, not. I did geography <laughs> like sophomore year of high school, so. I feel like I shouldn't. I, I, and that, that occurred to me, too, that I thought, wait a minute, I've forgotten where Duluth is. Um, <laughs> not not that I've been quizzed on it or anything in, in the past. But Clearly. <laughs> I thought he must be from Duluth because you don't, unless he collects. Has he worn a baseball shirt like that before? Do you remember? No, he hasn't worn a baseball shirt like that before, but we find out in later episodes that he is a baseball fan. Okay. So that must be the kind from of traveling. setup yeah, for that. Maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe like every every town he he visits, he tries to uh, catch a game and maybe buy a buy a jersey or a shirt or something like that. And you know what? That is an excellent strategy, and I would do the same thing. Yeah, that would be fun. I'd do that. Yeah, just catch all the minor teams and everything—the melons and the 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 what what were the other ones? The brick bats. Who are who are the other ones you said? <laughs> but the, the Montgomery biscuits. The Montgomery yes. Savannah bananas. Those are great. I would go back. I would go back and get uh, the Hawaiian Islanders. Because mm. um, I was just talking about them on an episode of Book 'em Dano. Because oh yeah, they they went to a baseball game. The the Hawaiian oh. Islanders don't exist anymore, but um, I still want one of their jerseys. So oh nice nice the uh so so yeah so overall it's it's an episode with um I I, I mean I do wonder when this idea was pitched. If like Donald Belisario or someone just he didn't write this one, did he? No, he didn't. No. Um, uh, if if um, if uh, he he just kind of said uh, Egypt, uh, uh, no, um, no, no, <laughs> and and then and then maybe someone else like in the story editing thing was like Egypt, perfect, because there's some great moments in it. I mean, there there's some. Um, there, there's a nice moment, like after they get the trunk, where like Sarah's sleeping and she's and there's like the, the smoke is drifting along, 
like outside the rooms and she sees like her dad and Anubis there and all kinds of things. There's some nice, nice creepy moments, but the, the whole time it's the, it's the Egypt thing that, um, kind of keeps, um, oh yes, that's right. I forgot. She has a very, like her dad shows up in a very like Spielbergian blue light. I was just like, oh my gosh, her dad's a force ghost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, he shows up briefly, and there, I mean, it's it's because there there are a lot of there. I think there are quite a few nice scenes in it. There's some atmospheric moments. I do like the final sort of brawl within the temple. There, I think is nicely done, and, and of course has the moment where you go, wait a minute, um, and and there's there's some uh, there are oh no here I got it right now. And he's got his Duluth shirt. Oh, it's when she's explaining to him about her dad and his theories, and he can't stop laughing. Yeah, um, uh, Uth. Oh, actually, no, they're dull Uth. Okay. Um, um, oh, maybe I thought it was Babe Ruth if I saw the Uth. Did I see the Uth first? Huh, maybe. Um, but uh, but it's, it's it's just kind of... It's, it's... The thing about the episode, too, is because if it's kind of goofy, but it's also gives the background to Sarah, so it's important. But at the same time, it's it is silly. It didn't... I didn't dislike it, but it didn't, um, it, it didn't, I, the second time I watched it, I really had to focus because I realized the first time I was watching it, I was just treating it as a bit of silliness and it was just kind of floating over me. And so the second time I watched it, I saw a couple scenes. I was like, I don't remember this scene at all. And I just watched this yesterday. So, so I really had to focus when I watched it the second time. And I'm not sure I, I, I completely kept the focus all the way through because it is kind of one of those episodes where, um. You know they'll be all right. It's, it's it's like you're watching it one moment and there's you know there's a ghost and you're watching another moment and suddenly uh, Sarah's fiance. Then there's dry ice everywhere. Then they're worshiping Jake. Then they've dressed up. Um, they've dressed up a Sarah like Nefertiti. Then there's a fight inside a temple. So it's like if you close your eyes for thirty seconds and open them, there's a very good chance you'll think you're watching a different episode. And so and, and which I like, but also. <laughs> Could be a little tough to keep the focus on since the episode is is a bit woohoo kind of which which is which is again um, at the end of the day when we get to the end of the series and we look back I'm sure I'll look on this episode rather fondly as being kind of a silly good time um, but uh, but but yeah just just watching it I, I like how I like how how Jake and Sarah keep they seem like they're getting closer sometimes. And then, oh, maybe not quite. Is this the one that has a great moment where um, he goes and he sleeps in the? Is this where he goes and sleeps in the plane? Yeah. Uh, yes, and he has the moment where, uh, well, where are you going to sleep? Well, I was going to sleep on the plane unless oh, there's no, wait, some. Oh no, that's next episode. Is that the next episode? Next episode. Well, We're getting them damn... confused because there's so much that happens in this <laughs> yes, episode. There, there, there is, there is. That's right. That's right. Because of the, yeah. Yeah, folks, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff happens. And it's funny because this episode and the, and the one before it and, and the one after it all sort of have the leave the island and go to another island kind of thing. Yeah. And, and so um, and so they're all journeys. And so I kind of got that one muddled up. So forgive me, everybody. But um, what, what else do you have on, on this one? What, what did you t- let's, let's talk about – let's talk about the ending. The ending. Okay. Um, so <laughs> – to understand the ending, you have to understand that Ted, the fiance, who mm. says that he's still her fiance, because and then Sarah's like, "Well, we never officially broke it off." And you've been hanging out on this island how long? And he hasn't come to see you. Yeah. Wow. Throw the whole man away. So, 
Ted, it turns out, is behind all of this, including the murder of Sarah's father, yes. which, like, rude. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you wait till later to murder the in-laws. Anyway, <laughs> he's he's going to rule this island like a god or whatever, and he's brawling with Jake now in the temple. And the, it, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark here, those... Store, the door starts coming down and he gets trapped on the inside and they can't open the door again because he has the thing that opens the door. He has the garage door opener. And so they can't let, he can't get out. And so he's just going to starve to death in there. Yes. that's. And the... it's like, you have this goofy-ass episode up to that because it's just really so hard to swallow the Egyptian stuff. Yeah. And you get to that point, especially when you have Sarah dressed as Nefertiti, it's like, who did your makeup? Yeah. Where did you get the wig? Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I have questions. Yeah. And they do the brawl on the inside, and that comes down, and it's like you realize he's not getting out, and you're like, what? And then they're like, okay, let's leave. Yeah, we're out of here. And I, I think just, that guy's uh, still in there. He's still alive in there. He's going to be in there in days feeding on, like, tarantulas. Yeah. And 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 the thing the thing I love about it is is it you only see sort of the main room, but there's also a little slippy slidey place like a mm-hmm. like an incline, which is why because he, he kind of as Jake is running out, he kind of knocks the fiance there onto this incline and he kind of slides down in a bit, and you think where does that lead? Where I mean, does this go deep underground? Or I would bet cash money there's another way out. My thing is when. What does he have on him? Because it's not just that you're going to starve to death, but once that closes, is it just pitch black? Oh, yeah, is, I would imagine he, so. He, so. So literally, he's in a, a pitch black stone tomb that he can't get out of with spiders, and I'll say snakes too, just because I like spiders and snakes. Let's say they're both in there. And you're just like, and, and you can't see? And I mean, the more I think about it, the more it's horrible. I know he was a jerk and a murderer, but that's... Yeah, that, that I, is I, incredibly harsh. That is for the context of this particular episode. Yeah, particularly, I mean, particularly because like thirty seconds before that, there's a moment where Jake goes to punch him and he punches him in his Anubis head and does an ah thing. And so you got you got like goofy gags like that followed by this. I mean, to me, it's just the thought that okay, so if I'm in the tomb and I have a light or a torch or something, I can explore it. And maybe there's another way out, but if it's pitch black and you can't see anything, then I you're blind. <laughs> you're blind in a tomb that you're not meant to ever get out of, and yeah, that is that's terrifying. Actually, the more he's going to go crazy. He's I'm, before he before he dies. Yes, because there. I mean, that's like a, a ultimate sensory deprivation because you can't hear probably anything yeah. through the stone. So he can't hear anything except for himself. He can't see anything, and he's not going to be able to eat or drink anything. He's going to go mad yeah, he's, before he's, he finally succumbs to dehydration and starvation. Yeah, I would have I would have actually, I mean, for a second I would have thought, guys, you're all pretty smart. Maybe try to open the door again. Yeah. I mean... I, 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 I love I love the concept of you can only open it with the thing and if it's closed it stays closed but um just the way they're all walking away from it, it and it, this was actually it wasn't until the second time that's how I sort of got lost in the episode it wasn't until the second time and I thought wait a minute so he's on the other side of that door now probably pounding on the door trying mm-hmm. de- demanding please help me please help me knowing that 
he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. And wow, that's um, that's dark. <laughs> that's yeah. We we thought it Escape is. from Death Island had the Escape from Death Island had what the sun in the oven dying of dehydration, and that's terrible. But this, there's something about this. At least the sun, you know. Jake was there for the last minute. No, he's actually dead when Jake shows up. But you know, at least they try. He saw his dad, you know, before yeah. the end, very briefly. But this guy just, just like, just I mean, just think about that. Like, you know, five minutes before he thought he was going to rule the island, now he's trapped in a pitch black tomb, and he's going to die there in a few days. Ooh. Okay. Well, let's lighten it up. Do we have any good corky jokes you can think of in this one? I'm trying to. <laughs> you want to talk about um... Duluth some more? Yeah, yeah. Let's take our minds off of the end. <laughs> because yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah, and Sarah um, seems okay with it, kind of too. She's like, "Oh darn it!" Yeah, so absolutely resigned to it. It's <laughs> well, like, I guess, "Oh, drat." It's well, broken off leave. now. Yeah. He's, he's yeah, no longer it's my fiance. Now. He's no longer my fiance. Yeah, I. Oh, I can't stop thinking about that now. Like, what would I do? And that's not fun, folks. That's that's no. not well. No. So, um, okay. Uh, uh, all right. What else? Do you, what else do you have? Here. <laughs> okay. Let's let's switch to Corky. Corky okay. is our comic relief, and we love him so much. Mm-hmm. Um. So they're trying to figure out um the trunk and figure out the cipher that that Daddy has left Sarah. And uh, Corky's the one that actually figures it out because he says it's not in the trunk. Maybe it's on the trunk, and it is. It's on the hieroglyphics on the trunk, and it's the riddle of the Sphinx. And they explain to Corky what a Sphinx is, and he's like, well, I wouldn't want to meet him. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Ah, Corky. (laughs) Yes, but Corky Corky gets credit. Sarah's like, Corky, you're a genius, and gives him a kiss. And I'm just like, yes, isn't it odd how Corky, our sweet, innocent a little bit slow quirky is the one that often figures things yes, out. Yes, that's and and it's it's funny cuz you see that in other shows too where you get like the sort of maybe the dumb character or something like that who's always coming up with a little bit. You know, and you and you wonder sometimes like if we were to sit down with the sh- the show like maybe maybe not quite this one, but like if we were to sit down with the show and think how many times were did Corky stumble upon an important thing just randomly innocently. And and you wonder if it's more times than the actual like hero does in the if, mm-hmm. if you were if you were to add them up like you know i've got 15 times that corky did corky saved the day accidentally and then i've got 14 times that you know jake saved the day purposely you know and not, and not that, and then you'd that, probably the, get like 20 times that jack the dog saved the day yeah saved the day <laughs> yeah you know what you know maybe the next adventure show we cover on here we could do something like that when we get to big moments where someone has to solve a riddle where someone has to figure something out now we're not going to cover like macgyver where it's macgyver who does it every episode but you know i'd I'd love to see like if you have kind of the smart hero and you have maybe someone else who's sort of a sidekick or something how many times the sidekick would come i mean because there are many times like in sort of forgive me but like like in modern doctor who where um that it will be his traveling companion or someone else who will actually come up with something rather than the doctor with the concept being that the doctor has like introduced these people to all this craziness in the universe and this wonderful stuff and it's expanding their minds and what they're thinking and stuff now that's different from here here you know both of them are just sitting around being sweaty 
and one of them comes up with an idea. But but I, I like the concept that I, I would bet cash money there's at least one sort of classic show out there with like a main hero and a sidekick or somebody else kind of thing where the sidekick actually technically saves the day more times than the hero does. But we, it doesn't look that way sort of thing. Um, but that's I like that thought. Hmm. Write that down, Dan. I will. Thank you. <laughs> so, oh, and we do get to see the um, the German, the Nazi guy. He shows up for a bit and hangs really? out. Really? Yes. yes. he hangs out with Jack. And it's funny. I like him the more I see him, even though I know he's a Nazi. I um, know. That is the greatest trick of this show is that it yes. makes you like the Nazi. And mm. I do like the part where Willie, he can't fathom why Jack doesn't like him. Jack always growls at yes, him. Yes, yeah, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> Corky's like, well, maybe he's a Buddhist. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then he asks asks Jake what he's doing, where they're going, and they lie to him. And so oh, he yes. asks the dog, is that true, Jack? And Jack barks twice for yes and lies to Willie. Yes. The dog lies. Yes, that's great. He just lied. He just Yeah, that was a nice moment. That was a very nice moment, yeah. Um, let's see. Um, oh, so, so what, do you, what do you think of the fiancé, I mean, apart from the fact that he's pure evil? Did you like his suit when he shows up? He's got a nice, like, white or cream-colored suit or something like that, which I would think would yes, get dirty was, and sweaty. Dressed. Yeah. Well, they always – well, it was probably linen. So okay. So it was probably mm-hmm. lighter. I don't know mm-hmm. if they had linen back in 1937. I know nothing. <laughs> but, um, no, I liked that, like, Jake kind of called him out partially from jealousy, but basically called him out as being full of shit from the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he did have that vibe. I knew, I knew he was – nothing because like i said he claims to that that sarah is his fiance and he's just now getting to this island and he's yeah. getting to this island with an agenda that has nothing to do with her that mm-hmm. uh here i found your dad's stuff and i think your dad was right and i'm going to investigate it and yes it's lovely to see you too you didn't once call <laughs> yeah, yeah you didn't inquire send a letter postcard smoke signal nothing i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> loser anyway yeah. and he's, he's it's, it's oh i'm sorry well, no, I was just that he kind of calls Jake out when Sarah faints mm-hmm. and or because she sees the Anubis in her room or whatever. And um, he's like, because he says something about he loves Sarah, do you or something like that. And Jake can't answer. And I'm like, of course, Jake can't answer, because first of all, this is only like the seventh episode of the yes. series. Mm-hmm. And second of all, if he answers, then that's going to make running around with other women a lot harder. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, and, and it's uh, and, and, and the fiance is played by uh, Jared Martin, I believe. Yes, is that correct? Did I get his yes. name right? Yes. yes, yes. Who, who, who's, who's in a lot of things? You'll know him when you see him. He played uh, Dusty in several seasons of Dallas, um, one of Sue Ellen's uh, lovers. He was a rodeo guy, and he was he was fun in that. Uh, he's in he's in a short lived TV show that I just got on DVD. Something about the mysterious voyage, the fantastic planet, the something or other. I forget what it is. It's some sort of. <laughs> It's, I'm uh, sure it's great though. It's 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 from it's it was actually the show that replaced Gemini Man when Gemini Man went off the air and it only ran for about a dozen episodes. And I forget but I actually have it in a stack of DVDs I got right here. It's like a French um DVD complete set. Fantastic journey? Something like that. It's 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 sure. a kind of it's 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 I, I wanna say it's something to do like with the time travel y kind of thing or or something like that. 
Um, but it looked fun, and we'll cover it one day here on the show. Maybe you'll join me for it. Um, uh, if I can remember the name. If I can't, then we're not going to cover it. But he, he, he's in that, and you'll, you'll know him when you see him. You know, he's a good-looking guy, and, um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and there's a scene here where he gets in a fight with, um, with, uh, with Jake, and, you know, so it's two, two good-looking guys fighting. You know, you don't want to see him get hurt. You know, don't blemish the face. Don't touch the face. And, uh, and Jake, Jake, Jake does a really nice, um, when, uh, when, um, the fiance goes to punch him the first time and he just whoosh, faints back. So he completely misses him. Whoosh, whiff. Yeah. You missed me. That was a nice little moment there. Um, and then, and then he follows it up because the fiance has glasses and he, he dodges the fiance's punch and they're staring at each other and he says, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't hit people with glasses. And then he takes the glasses off and wallop. And the whole time he's doing that, um, the uh, the uh, the count is being kept of how much money they're going to owe. Yeah. Funny. Well, first Sarah asks Louis, she's like, "Aren't you going to do anything?" And he's like, 40 francs on Jake." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a. Yeah, it's a, it's um. I, I think it's funny. I've got the episode playing right here, and it begins with um uh. uh Sarah and and the fiance like stepping out of a cab or something and and they have a little romantic moment in front of her apartment building her dad's place you know and she goes in to see Anubis uh, has has killed him and um the way um the fiance as she's going inside the way he takes off his glasses and puts them back on to me at, at it's interesting at when he goes when he takes them off and he's removing them it says sinister but then when he puts them back on his face for a split second it says I really love her, but I'm a little nervous about it. And I thought, that's pretty good. I don't know if I'm reading into that too far. But that, yeah, that began with I'm pure evil and ended with gosh, I really like her. <laughs> and, and, and I thought, that's some good that's some good glasses acting right there. Well done, Mr. Martin. Well done. And I just saw Jared Martin and, in another film. And that's film. actually kind of how it reflected at the end. Y- yes. Well, I was yeah. just going to say. That, yeah, that's how it, it reflected at the end because um at the end, he wanted he he's pure evil, but he wanted Sarah to be his his bride, and mm-hmm. which, as Sarah's explaining to Corky and Jake at those weddings, um, they have offer a sacrifice, and mm. Corky's like, Sarah, I like you a lot, but I don't want to be a sacrifice at your wedding. <laughs> I do there, I do there. There is another nice moment there too where. Uh, Anubis is on the steps of the temple giving his his big speech, and um, uh, Jake and Corky are standing there, and, and our Nefertiti Sarah comes and stands next to them, and they're all kind of staring forward, and um, and they just kind of have one of those great conversations, like, "Hi, Sarah. Hey, Jake. You look very nice, Sarah. Thank you, Corky." And they're just it's a very very funny conversation because they're just staring straight ahead into this crowd of faux egyptians and this madman with the uh, anubis head on and it's just kind of a very casual chat that gets a little louder when they start because they want to annoy the fiance but it's 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 a very nice nicely done moment yeah it is really a weird epi- i mean it starts off with just a romantic scene and then a man with an anubis head killing her father and then it kind of goes all over the place and the yeah, the yeah. trunk and the thing and the stuff. It's it's an interesting episode. The more I talk about it, the more I think I like it. But um, I'm not 100% sure on that. I'd have to watch it again. Well, you know, like I said, it's it's a ride. 
And yes, yeah, it is. It really it's, is. It's yeah. not what you think it's going to be, and just it's so unintentionally goofy with the Egyptian mm-hmm. stuff that. Yeah. But you're never bored. It's not no. boring. No, no, no. It's there's always something happening, and whether it makes sense or not, that's up to you. <sighs> but <laughs> it's yeah. It, it, I think kind of why I like it is because it is goofy, and then you like slam into the wall at the end. Yes. But but it's it's not dull. It's no, it's definitely no. not dull. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I that is all I have on this one. What about you? Anything else? Any trivia or anything? I have one little bit of trivia, and it is yes, about please. Jared Martin. Hey, uh, Jared Martin. He has the distinction of being in the Magnum PI Murder She Wrote crossover. What? Yeah, novel collect, novel connection, and Magnum on Ice. Oh wow! Is that? Please tell me there's some sort of ice capades or something that happens in that episode. There is not. <laughs> Magnum on Ice is basically he was in jail for a big part of the murder okay. episode. Okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like the thought of a Magnum PI ice show. They just they tried it one year. They tried it in '82. It just didn't. It just didn't work. It just didn't work. Shame. Um, so, if if you don't have anything else, and I don't have anything else, I think I should ask you where we can find you online. You can find me at akakikiwrites.com. That is the home of my podcast, Book of Dano, an old Hawaii Five O podcast. You can also find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. And if you want to listen to everything I know about Egyptology, which is not a whole lot, you can do that <laughs> by following me on Twitter at kikiwrites. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you again. And now we are going from there. Well, next time is Once a Tiger. And now we are going on to, um, from this this segment, to the final Kolchak segment with Mr. Tim S. Turner. We are, we are talking to the Sentry. And Kolchak is ending. Isn't it sad? It's always sad when the show I'm ends. I'm sad. Bye, Tim. I'll miss you. I'll miss yeah. you, Kolchak. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be... Sigh. But let's let's see what we have to say. I bet we're great. Listen to this. The Sentry. Directed by Seymour Robbie, written by L. Ford Neal and John Huff, aired March 28th, 1975, the 20th and final episode of Kolchak. And in this one, he's investigating in a giant storage facility which goes very deep, deep underground. Workers are being killed by something, something lizardy. And Kolchak investigates. He also meets a lovely lady, a uh, lieutenant, who gives him trouble. And he also meets Mr. Cunningham. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So so um, Tim, S. Turner and I are on the other side of this. And um, yeah, here we go. Listen to this. The Sentry, the final episode of Kolchak. And I'm here with Tim S. Turner, for the final time, talking cold check. Tim, how are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you doing, Dan? Doing okay. Uh, let's 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 not let's not goof around. Let's talk about the century. What do you think? 
Well, you know, after the uh, <clears throat> the youth killer, which I thought was really kind of a bummer, um, you know, I, this one actually feels very, very um, X-File-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's got some really well done segments. I think the, the thing that lets it down is the monster is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very, yeah, I think we, we talked about off air. It's very eighties doctor who. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> level, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. guy in this terrible costume. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you, when they show it in really brief, there's a couple of great shots that are long distance shots in these yes. underground tunnels. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh wow, that looks cool. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it comes out in the light. You're like, eh, oh, oh no. dear, yeah, <laughs> that is that is what I was hoping that wouldn't be. Yeah, because when you see it like in the silhouette off in the distance, it's just like a strangely shaped human, and you're like, what am I looking at right there? Yeah. And the, but then when it suddenly attacks her, you're like, oh, that guy. Okay, sure. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> Alright, yeah, I think yeah, I think this is this is a better episode than, than the youth killer. Uh, it's got yeah. more verve to it. I mean it's it, I think it's it's pretty obvious oh I thought it was obvious at the start what's happening in it. Yeah. Um but but there's a lot of there's a lot of uh fun moments. Tom Bosley shows up. I like the the actress who plays the new inspector or the new the new cop there. She's yes. a lot of fun. Carl seems to get arrested in this episode more than almost any other one. <laughs> um yeah. and and they do they do that weird thing where like he's in they're really deep deep underground in a storage facility and there are some shots which are clearly um the studio. You you can you can always tell it always, you know, it there's not a long hallway. It ends with a wall, and things go off to either side, and yeah. and they look. It looks a bit like the hallways from that hospital episode. Um, yes, yeah. the, I wish I forget the name of yeah, but the energy the, eater. Energy eater, yes. Um, but then the actual hallways themselves are just fantastic. That I do love the way that it begins, sort of in media res, or actually closer to the end than in the middle, um, yeah, with, with yeah. Carl Carl being chased down the hallway and and preparing his thing to try to save the day kind of thing and this hallway he's going down is is huge to to bring up doctor who again there's um there's a doctor who story called the sunmakers where they deliberately wanted to find the most boring long hallways they could <laughs> and they found like some like some cigarette factory somewhere in london that just had these hallways that went on and on and on and it's just they're depressing to to look at and, and this hallway's a little shinier a little more fun than that, but when when he's shooting down the hallway in his elect, the electric cart, and you keep looking behind him like, what's he what's he running away from? What's he, what's he going from? And those hallways are just huge. I don't know where they are, but those are some great freaking hallways. Yeah, they, uh, they, they you know what they kind of remind me of. I don't know if you've ever been <clears throat> on any of the uh, they have tours. Uh, at, at uh, Walt Disney World where you can go under the underground tunnels. Oh, no, down I'm there. Good. And that's what they look like. It, it, they're just like a mile long, you yeah. know, of just like nothing. And, um, you know, this episode, it, it's ironic that it's the last episode because there's a lot of firsts in it. I mean, yes. Uh, yeah. Because Lieutenant Lamont, now that's, isn't that our first female adversary on the police department? Yes, yes. And yes. that she's played by Kathy Brown, who at the time was Mrs. Dara McGavin. <laughs> uh, so you know, maybe he just says it's the last episode. Put my wife in there. 
Um, and uh, she's great. Uh, the the way the episode begins, like you said, it literally begins at the end <clears throat> with him freaking out, driving down the hallway, and I thought that was great. Yeah, it had a, a, nice it had a yeah. different feel to it. You know, because because we do get somewhere it's he he begins after the end, like in the last one he begins talking. You know, when he's talking into his recorder, you know, um, he I I believe he's talking at the beginning of it, and then but that's after it's all done. That's after Helen's turned to a statue. This is like the the like the great one where he crouches down behind the cart and he starts to talk, and all of a sudden he turns his head real quick, so he thinks he hears something. It's like there's kind of you realize that it's not over yet. He's yeah. still in in the middle of it, which is was a nice was a nice touch. A nice touch. And, and also, I think, fittingly, the last episode. This is, I think, the only time that the monster gets away. Yes. Mm-hmm. As yeah. well. Yeah, and 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 yeah, presumed to uh, go into an area of these underground hallways where it's like too damp. Or something or other for that for them to store stuff properly in. Now, I don't know why they built a hallway there, but um, <laughs> maybe, maybe someone sold them a sold them a sold them a hallway or something. I got this hallway. It's underground. You're gonna love it. Oh, it's damp. Oh, it's damp. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you know, really, more. I, I'm trying to think of. I guess the only other one I can think of off the top of my head would be Mr. Ring, as far as having a sympathetic creature. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, because it, it doesn't kill people out of out of any you know evil or anything. It's mm-hmm. just trying to get its eggs back. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna say I, I do like the moments. Yeah, where it's kind of especially that final moment where where it, it, Carl Carl confronts it, where it's just walking down the down the hallway, just smashing all the light bulbs. Yeah, with his tail. The, yeah, yeah, which was which was which was cool. Um, but then you know, of course, he shows up, and and you know, you almost want Carl to say, "Is there someone in there?" Dude, what's going on? And I thought it must be it must be annoying for that that lizard thing because his tail's always dragging, or her tail's always dragging. I don't I don't actually know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, because that's gotta hurt, right? Because when when you see it walk away and round the corner, the tail's like on the ground. And I thought, ooh, doesn't that? Hmm. I would think you get. Well, maybe the scales or something would, would help. I don't know. I just I just felt bad for it. I thought, shouldn't it be up above the ground? Or, or I don't know. I don't. Well, know. you know, one a, a little known fact about it is, is like usually, you know, the 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 monsters, like say, like uh, like the Ripper or the Paramount Fair, whatever, they got paid pretty well. But uh, from what I heard, this uh, creature got paid scale. <laughs> See, folks, we Thank saved you. all these up. We saved all these up for the final one. Thank you. Because you know you're gonna miss us when we're Thank not here. You. Well, I'll be here, Tim. Tim won't. Um, uh, but we won't be talking culture. So, Follow me at dadjokes.com. <laughs> um, so, so I mean, overall, I think it's, I, I, I like the concept of of going, being way, way underground. Um, I like the thought of the first time they arrest him, thinking, Carl, how are you gonna get back there? Because it's not like like well, like Helen the Troy's place there where you just keep walking in. Yeah, just go through the window. Just go never through the window. You know, this is this is like your how how far underground? I I forget how far underground they say they are, but they are some distance underground. And I do I do like the concept too that it's this storage facility that's just way underground. And you know that's um I I I I didn't know that was how they did storage facilities back then, but 
I guess. The... Yeah, it, it, it's weird because they give you this whole whole spiel about okay that this company is responsible for storage of secrets, like government secrets mm. and corporate secrets, and and it's like they're tr- it, uh, really piling it on to make you think that there's something else. Yes. Mm-hmm. And oh no, it's just just a lizard. Guy. Yeah, just a lot of guy who wants it. Has nothing and, to do with the, any of the storage stuff at all. And it is tricky because you, there, the um, you, I, I, I would sit, you know, watching the episode twice to talk to you about it. I'm, I'm, I'm always so waiting for that moment where, like, like just seeing what they do kind of fully makes sense. I'm waiting for that moment where it's like they're describing what they're doing and they're describing everything. We're clearly in these long hallways. I do feel like we're probably underground. Um, but there's never sort of a moment where I, I go, oh, I get it. I know exactly what they're doing. I know exactly what's going on here. It's all sort of explained, explained, explained. You never really see anything. I mean, apart from that one room they go in where there are a bunch of people moving around and desks and there's some, like, tape, huge tape reel things. But but apart from that, there's there's kind of a weird feeling of I don't fully understand the exactly what's going on. Stop explaining. This isn't radio. Show me something. Yeah. And, and so, so I know that that could have been just me, but it, but I but I came away both times thinking, I don't I don't fully understand what's happening there. I I get I, they explained it, but I needed to see some of it. Yeah, I, I think that they uh, basically this episode it is kind of like uh, you know uh, middle of the road coal shack, mm-hmm. and if they had just stuck to the in the dark moments yes with the creature and just kept it that way mm-hmm. i i and like maybe have like carl find you know uh, you know some book where they showed a picture of what the creature was supposed to look like yeah and mm-hmm. that's it but always keep it in the dark it would have been so much better because there are some several moments that are really well done yeah uh, you know, but once they show it, it, it just ruins it's really everything. Tough. Yeah, it's really um, tough. I mean, I'm I'm pretty yeah. good. I'm pretty good at. That's why I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. You have to suspend disbelief. Oh, back sure. In the day. Yeah, it looks like um, a giant robot made of candy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got you got to You got to You know, you got to You got to You got to suspend disbelief as best you can. They just in 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 the um. Uh, for for sort of what it has to do in the end, where it has to approach Carl and then take the eggs away and stuff. There's just a bit. I mean, un- unless you did like just really quick cuts of like the tail on the ground and the, and the claw, and maybe just a quick shot of silhouette of its head or something like that, like a hand picking up the eggs going around the court. You see a shadow go around the court, but it doesn't. They kind of linger on almost deliberately. Like yeah, they're it, like it's, it's ridiculous. You you almost like if someone would have said, "Hey man, don't stop." Put that more in the dark. What are you doing? Or maybe they were just like, maybe someone really, maybe that like the producer's mom made it or something like that. My mom made the suit. I want it shown as much as possible. <laughs> it's darling. Yeah, it, it's so, uh, so, it just well, it's it's just a little it's just a little weird. Just a little... My my favorite shots are there were several of them because like you were saying they use these tunnels a lot mm-hmm. and they use them to really good effect. They're they're. Uh, really like ridiculously long yeah with no doors yes yes so it's just a tunnel uh you know it's very like the floor and the walls are like this real shiny paint uh that they light really well and they have mm-hmm. a couple of shots where they do this thing they've that they've done before in uh, uh other movies and stuff where they use 
kind of like a warped lens, uh, and, and kind of sh- it's there's like a, a weird shimmer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, it's uh, it's almost like the picture's unstable, yeah. and, and there's a couple of shots like that of the the lizard guy, uh, at the very end of the tunnel, stalking you know, around in, in mm-hmm. silhouette and it looks great and it's mm-hmm. really creepy. And I, once you see it, I mean, I, and I, for those of you who haven't seen this, I, I, I want you to, to buy the Blu-ray because it's, it, it's a great series, but I, it's, I swear to God, <laughs> when you see this creature, it literally like, you know, those, when you see those inflatable dinosaur costumes yeah. <laughs> that people get, and then they're like hanging around, running around like you know, <laughs> nerds uh, mm-hmm. in, in the middle of a shopping mall or something like that. That's what that looks better. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's... this looks like it's made of cloth. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It looks like it's made of like felt. Yeah, and it looks yeah. It's it really it's it's like something maybe you'd see like at a on a parade if they were doing like a Jurassic Park float and they had yeah. people dress up and maybe do a little dancing or something like that pop and yeah, lock they don't or something like that you know and cuddly yes exactly and that's that's kind of what it looks like which is too bad because like we said there there are some shots where it's in sort of darkness where it's fine uh and carl in the opening is so great driving down those huge halls he has fun with that electric cart yeah i i, I think when the first time he sits on i think they speed up the film slightly I think because when he gets on it and he suddenly goes, whoa, and the cart takes off, it looks like they're doing a little bap, 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 kind of speeding it up. Just a little, <laughs> I was honestly, I kept thinking they were going to do like uh, like the Austin Powers. That's what I thought too, yeah. The cart like going back for it, back for it, back, back for it. Yeah, yeah, beep, beep, <laughs> beep, beep, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know... I think it was it was strange. It's a strange episode because for a last episode, there's not much of Tony in it. No, no, he and you know, we don't we don't get uh, any of the other coworkers. Um, uh, I think Tony's only in one or two scenes. He gets, he gets yeah. The big scene is after he's bailed Carl out. Yeah, and you you find that Tony's taking a bit of shine to the um, lady inspector. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and let Carl. me ask you the, yeah, yeah. the whole, all the stuff with with uh, Lieutenant Lamont. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, does does that really hold up in today's atmosphere? Because uh, they really play up the fact that like all the guys dislike her because she's sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and it's kind of like, uh, well, what about the fact that she maybe got there because she earned the position? Yes, yeah, I'm, just, that... I'm just saying. I, yeah, I, I feel like I would have liked to have seen her again in an episode, maybe maybe she, where she worked a little more with Carl or something like that, just to um, because yeah. it, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. The guys are all just like, just like. <laughs> Carl, don't mess things up. I want to take her out. Oh yeah, the one guy threatens him. Okay, like, Sully. Yeah, thanks, me, man. You're great. I'm gonna yeah. Kick hey, I'm gonna do. Hey, yeah, and, then, <laughs> and I do. I, I do like that. Um, that that Carl does have the moment where he's talking to her, and she says, no, "I like you, Carl. Yeah, I like you too." And he's he's just being, you know, just just kind of a smarmy jerk ball and I, lo- I love it though because he's he's like I know you you like you hear this all day long and I just like I like your nose and I like you this now can we get on with the business at hand please I, I did like the way he's like yeah I like I like your eyes and all that <laughs> he does this thing with his hands I'm like oh yeah. wow <laughs> yeah it's a little um yeah it's it's not um doesn't handle it that 
great. I don't even know back then if if I would have watched it and gone, hey, that's <laughs> that's some progressive work right there. I don't know. Yeah, it's a little. It yeah. I don't. <laughs> well, I think. I mean, honestly, I think it was it was very Carl though. I mean, yes, very yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it was going back. I mean, briefly back to Youth Killer. You know, like the whole thing about I, I don't date. I work all the time. Yeah. And, and really, that's kind of like the essence of the character. By this point, it's almost like. Kolshak's become asexual in that yes. nothing's going to deter him from his story. That's mm. it. That this is his life. He's got nothing else. He's he knows he's never going to go to New York or to L.A. or one of the big markets. Mm. He's stuck here on yeah. the independent news service, and I he's going to do the best he can with this because he's got nothing. Yes. Yeah. You know. And and the time he's you know he he had uh, lady friends. Yeah, they, I don't know what happened to Joanne Paflug there, but um, uh, but yeah, that uh, I, I feel that probably maybe didn't end so great. I don't know. Yeah, I don't whatever know he certain, did to uh, lose her, uh, you know, like uh, shame on him. Cause, yes, yeah, that was you know, she, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there, there is really a feeling like when he's he's talking to the inspector that he he doesn't care who who she is, what what sex she is, whatever. He he just he's just there to. He's there to get the story and stop the lizard. Yeah. And that's not some strange euphemism uh, when I say stop the lizard. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it, the funny thing is, though, it's like, I don't think, I think this might, again, be like another first. I, this one doesn't have him consulting really any experts. No, no. Um, no. It's never really established as only what we see really it's like mm-hmm. okay it's the an upright walking alligator thing yes and there could be folks who are like expert i mean the one mining guy he talks to gives him a lot of information that that one the professor guy who 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 took the eggs he could be helpful but he's a jerk you know and then and there's the guy who um who puts him in the crate who talks about alligators and crocodiles or whatever yeah. and stuff like that but there but there isn't we don't get that mm-hmm. expert moment we just get carl more or less figuring out himself like are these eggs and just like ding maybe that that could be a thing if it had gone on to a second season maybe um uh carl relying less on experts and sort of gradually becoming the expert himself yeah i i think if if this series had taken place now you wouldn't have had those moments because he would his uh, research would be Google, you know. He would just yeah, exactly. sit down, and type in, you know, like oh, yeah. succubus, tick 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 tick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shame because that's really one of the charming things about the show is always yeah. these character actors they bring in to play these yes. experts mm-hmm. that he consults, you know. Mm-hmm. It is it is nice to see Tom Bosley show up on here. Yeah, it's always great to see him, um, and uh, I mean. Overall, if you can deal with the lizard outfit, <laughs> I'm gonna call it an outfit. If you can deal with the lizard, maybe I'm gonna call it a disguise. I think it's a guy inside there playing. He just around. wants those eggs. Yeah, exactly. I'll dress up like a lizard, sure. Um, I think if you can deal with that, it's actually there's. I, I just had it playing here, and right after the opening credits, you get directed by Seymour Robbie, and the first shot you get is a really wide-angle shot all the way down this huge, endless hallway. At the end of the hallway, it's glowing green. Mm -hmm. And then the camera just begins to back up slowly and back up slowly and then kind of go around an electrician 
who's just there by himself there, and you're thinking, wow, that's like the loneliest spot in the world right there oh, until yeah. the big lizard guy eats him. <laughs> then it's then you know he's he's less alone there but but that hallway just like the green at the end of it and slowly creeping away from it and just like wow this is this there there is a lot of great stuff and i just wish mr seymour robbie had not shown the freaking goofball lizard thing so much but <laughs> but that's that is what that is so what, what what else do you have anything else on this one uh no other than the fact that uh, uh lieutenant lamont refers to carl's car as the yellow submarine i did like that yeah yeah uh no I, you know i thought it was an enjoyable episode mm-hmm. um that could have been better yes you know if they had just exercised some restraint yes uh with yeah. the with the creature um, <laughs> Please, yeah. yeah, because and and if you, and you think about it, it's like if they made this now, effects are so good, even for television. Yeah, they could have they could have pulled it off and made it look so much better. Yes. Um, yeah. but again, uh, this this show was infamous for uh, budget problems. Yeah. And it, it it definitely shows when you see it, which is a shame, you know, for the last episode. But at least, at least with this episode, they end the series on what I consider a little more of a unique note because of things like, like I was saying, it's like you start out with kind of like right in the middle of the action, mm-hmm. and at you know at the end the creature gets away, which is totally different from you know Carl reading some incantation or whatever mm-hmm. and and killing the creature. Um, it, it at least it felt a little more. Like something new, uh, and uh, I could totally see you know young Chris Carter watching this episode. Yes, when mm-hmm. yes, the big alligator guy, you know. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. It's gonna work. Yeah, this is gonna be great. This is gonna. Yeah, the I I think um yeah it's it's a nice like you said it's a nice mix of um uh forward somewhat backward and a goofy monster but entertaining. Which is yeah. good. The, the last episode felt a little flat, I thought. So it, it ends on a... I think it ends on a decent note. I, I wish, you know, they were supposed to make at least another, like, two, three, four more or something. I, I kind of wish I would have liked to have seen a few more episodes, but that's just me being greedy. Um, <laughs> so so since we're since we're at the end, just, just a minute or two, just your, your overall thoughts from, from the Night Stalker, the Night Strangler, to the 20 episodes. What... Uh, did you enjoy the ride? Are you angry at me? What do you? Th- how, how are you doing? What's going on? Yeah, first of all, how dare you? Ah. No. Uh, I well, first, first and foremost, the the two TV movies, I I absolutely love them mm-hmm. both. I I think they're both really uh, a great example of what the TV movie could offer uh, back mm-hmm. then. Because uh, you know, there's always been that kind of disdain for TV movies that they're they're kind of like you know, the the theatrical films, kind of like you know Step Brother, yeah. and uh, but I think they both show that you can make a quality, scary uh, film for television if you have all the right ingredients. And <clears throat> as for the series, uh, they they took a character in Carl Kolschak and built a series that I think if you really look at the 20 episodes, I think the batting average is pretty high mm-hmm. and they realize that, you know what? We, we really don't need a lot other than Darren McGavin. Mm-hmm. 
because yeah, he's yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. And I know there's an entire generation that when you say Darren McGavin, they think the old man from A Christmas Story. Yeah. Not me. I've always thought it's Carl Kolschak. Mm-hmm. And even though they did that crappy remake series in the 2000s, um, you're never going to ever replace Carl Kolschak. Yeah. yeah. Darren McGavin is the character, uh, just like Peter Falk is Columbo, mm-hmm. just like David Suchet, as far as I'm concerned, will always be Hercule Poirot. There are just certain actors that just make the part. Mm-hmm. And he does that. And... I, I know we've discussed a little bit in the past. I, the series, if it had gotten a renewal, probably would have been better served to do season-long story arcs, mm-hmm. and you know, with little side things, kind of like you know the way Buffy the Vampire Slayer would yeah, do, yeah. where you're like, okay, uh, the villain of this season is the mayor, but we're going to have side journeys mm-hmm. along the way that are intertwined that lead us to that final episode, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that would have better served the character because really, doing it the way they did it with the Monster of the Week, the well ran dry pretty quickly yeah. of yeah. classic monsters to use. Mm-hmm. And imagine if you had taken the Ripper story from the first episode... And done an entire season of that. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but the Ripper, who's the Ripper, could be a mystery. Yeah. And yeah. you introduce all these other character actors along the way, and is one of them really the Ripper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and yeah, to would, me, yeah. I think that would have made the series, you could have gotten four or five seasons out of it. Mm-hmm. If you went that went that route, because now you're expanding the, the idea of the monsters that you're including, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for a one-season show, I think it's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. I don't, I don't recommend um, uh, binging it because mm, no, no, no. when you binge it, the, like I said, the formula really shows. Mm-hmm. But overall, I, I really think it's a wonderful series, and I'm glad that uh, Kino did the, the restoration Blu-ray they did, yeah, beautiful job. Because it looks gorgeous, and if you've ever had any of the other uh, uh, sets that Universal put out, they look terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, Universal yeah. is infamous for letting their properties rot, mm-hmm. and uh, especially Kolchak. Kolchak, because it's always it's so much a shot at night. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. so dark, and they really did a beautiful job restoring the show and so I think it's going to get a lot more uh, notice than it's gotten. I think you know yeah. people have kind of forgotten about it and I think this is a great way to remind them that this was a good show and mm-hmm. Carl Kolschak, you know, really is the epitome of the downtrodden hero. Mm-hmm. The cross between the front page and Universal Monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and for that reason, I love it, and I always will. Hey, I think I think pretty much you've said more or less what I was going to say. I think yeah, I think the um, the first two uh, the movies are just absolutely wonderful examples of, of TV movie and 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 what they what they did well. And the series, I think, is is I mean, it, it has its it's ha- has its occasional. I don't. I, I, I hesitate to say dud episodes. It's got some weaker 
episodes. I always feel like, say with something like the Youth Killer, maybe the episode with the aliens or the Energy Eater, some of them just just think like they don't, I don't, they don't quite whatever it is they're trying to do doesn't quite come off. Yeah, unfortunately. But then, but then more often than not, it does work and it is a good time. And I, you know, I always remember it. And I've, I've said this before, and I realize I've actually said most of this previous episodes when we've when we've talked. Um, but it's I, I always remember it as being like strong at the beginning. But then by the time you get about uh, eight or nine episodes in, it starts to go kind of uh, downhill uh, rather quickly. <laughs> yeah. It actually it actually doesn't do that. I, th- I, th- I almost found the second half of the series to be more entertaining than the first half because they got more imaginative. Yeah, I think that they happening. were forced to come up with, you know, okay, we've we've done a werewolf, we've done a vampire, mm-hmm. you know, it's like let's let's kind of expand what we define as a monster or a creature. Yes. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I think it really really uh succeeded. And and uh and I th- I think really the the best the best way to watch it I think is to uh, one episode a day. I would think. I mean, unless you want to do one episode a week. I'm not. I'm not trying to limit you. you know? <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I I agree with you. I mean, when when we're doing this here, we do um, several episodes at, in one sitting, and so I'd be watching like three episodes at a time, and that's that can be a bit much. I would say the best way to do it. And I'll probably do this soon because we got the Blu-ray sets halfway through this, so I haven't watched the first seven or eight episodes yet on the Blu-ray. Right, and so so I would like to now go back and and do you know over the course of twenty two days do the two movies and then one episode a day and you get that's just just enough hit the sweet spot enjoy Carl and and um and and overall it's I'm glad we talked about the show because like I said I remember it, the loving the movies and then thinking it goes downhill pretty quick and it does not there are, like I said dud episodes here and there the youth killer was no it had its moments but it was nothing spectacular but overall overall it's a really strong show and i do wish it had gone on more but i'm i'm part of me is happy with what we have because i'd hate to see if it, like the second season stank then we yeah. we'd really be having a rough time with it we'd have to qualify it you know not now there's not much to qualify i think when we talk about it there are a couple of week episodes two or three week episodes in the 20 the rest of them range from good to really good and and we don't have to do something where it's like watch out for the second season it stinks we can just say you know <laughs> we, we've got what we've got and i overall the quality i think is very high so tim thank you again for joining me mr turner um on the uh this this wonderful journey i think it's been a good time absolutely and um uh, one more time where can we find you online what are you up to uh, well, you can find me and Kelly Hogaboom on our podcast, Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees, the genre film podcast. I believe we're doing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and the slasher classic Girls' Night Out mm. and two other films that I don't know yet. No and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, doing this with you has been a lot of fun, too. Uh, it's it's uh, it's great to talk to somebody who actually likes the shows that I like. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps. That always helps. Yeah. And it was it was great. Did we when we started this, they hadn't made the announcement, right, that the set was coming out on Blu-ray. I, I'd like Correct. to think we we willed it into existence. <laughs> I would like to think so. Yeah, just we were talking about like, those those guys. They can't talk about those old crappy sets anymore. They need they need something nicer. So they got work. <laughs> they got to work on it. Um, but th- thank you again. And um, this is um, myself and Tim S. Yeah, Turner, signing (laughs) off from Kolchak.
saying goodbye to Kolchak, saying goodbye to another show. It's always always a little sad when we do that, but uh, there is another show, new old show, looming for the next episode. So um, we hope uh, you'll come back for that. And of course, Kristen and myself are still talking Gold Monkey, and Christopher and myself are still talking some Battlestar Galactica. So I will just say, uh, where can you find us online? At eSuperTrain1 on Twitter, eventually SuperTrain on Facebook, eventually SuperTrain.blogspot.com, and uh, you can email me at Danny Slacks at yahoo.com and um yeah that's about it everybody saying goodbye to Kolchak let me let me play up uh, the theme one more time <laughs>